You're listening to the Americans for Truth Hour with your host, Peter LaBarbera. Each week, you'll hear compelling interviews with everyday heroes on the front lines of the culture war. People who put faith and truth above the lies of political correctness. Americans for Truth Hour will help you to stay informed and engaged on the side of life, marriage, and the God-ordained family. Please stand with us as we work to make America, in the words of President Ronald Reagan, a shining city on the hill. And once again, one nation under God. And now, here's Peter LaBarbera. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Americans for Truth Hour. Americans for Truth About Homosexuality is a single-issue organization devoted to opposing and exposing the powerful homosexual, bisexual, transgender movement. And uh, this is one of those pre-recorded episodes, as we usually do. We are recording this on Wednesday, October 12th. By the time it airs, our banquet in Arlington Heights will have just finished because our show airs at 11 o'clock on Saturday night. So um, I'm very privileged to have... Uh, a person that we are honoring at the banquet, a friend of mine named Scott Lively, who's done yeoman's work on the homosexual issue um, from a Christian pro-family perspective. But just remember that this is being taped uh, before the banquet, and but we are going to talk about some of the uh, incredible outrages that involving Scott and attacks on his good name uh, by a radical homosexual group called the Gay Liberation Network that preceded the banquet. Scott, are you on the line? I'm here, Peter. All right. There you are, folks. Scott Lively is uh, just uh, an amazing guy. And uh, we so uh, true. So true. Yes. And, and very <laughs> humble, too. <laughs> actually, I'm you proud are of my humility. Actually, you are a humble guy, Scott. I know that, um, you know, we don't get to see each other too much. Uh, but every time I have um, read something you've done uh, or seen you speak, I've been so impressed. And, and you've really produced an immense amount of material, which is why at the banquet, which uh, will have happened again by the time this airs, uh, we are presenting you with uh, the Americans for Truth, uh, American Truth Teller Award uh, for 2011. Praise God. And uh, uh, we try to give this award to people who are courageous, who are principled, who um, will stick to God's truth, regardless of what happens in the culture. And as we know, Scott, there's a lot of bad things happening in the culture and a lot of political correctness on this issue, but you have never wavered and you have taken an immense amount of hits from the bad guys, which usually shows that you're doing something right because they don't focus too much energy on on people who are completely ineffective. Uh, That's true. You know, Peter, my background is I was an alcoholic and a drug addict for 16 years. And uh, I was delivered and healed in prayer in 1986 when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And uh, everything that I am, all that I have, all the resources belong to the Lord. And he gave me a task to do, and that was to stand for his truth on this issue. And that's what I've tried my best to do for a little over 20 years now. And... uh you know, nothing that the activists on the other side can do uh, is going to deter me from the work that the Lord gave me to do. And uh, and I've got been blessed so much by God for doing that. It's uh, it hardly seems like persecution at all. Right. Uh, well, so. Scott, um, let me just give some of your bio here. Um, Scott is uh, the founder and president of Defend the Family International. The website is defendthefamily.com. Um, he also formed other groups along the way. One is Abiding Truth Ministries. That's how I knew Scott before. 
But the easiest way now to get Scott's work is defendthefamily.com. Uh, Scott wrote The Pink Swastika, which is a book. The subhead is uh, Homosexuality in the Nazi Party. And we're going to talk about that. We're doing a three-part interview, by the way, folks. So you'll catch uh, plenty of, of Scott's uh, wisdom on this issue. Uh, Scott wrote uh, Redeeming the Rainbow, a Christian response to the gay agenda. Um, uh, the Poison Stream, Gay Influence in Human History. Seven Steps to Recruit, pr- recruit pu- Proof. Start, try saying that ten times, yeah, I know, Scott. that's a tough one. <laughs> Seven Steps to Recruit, Proof Your Child. Now, there's a politically incorrect notion. You're saying, Scott, you, are you saying that homosexual activists are actually trying to corrupt the minds of young people? It, it can't be. No. How could anyone say such a thing? <laughs> it's the only issue um, uh, of which there is no influence at all from the older to the younger, right? Right, Scott? Well, you know, the things that they scream about the loudest are the things that are the most true and the most damaging to them. The connection between homosexuality and AIDS, uh, the re- connection between homosexuality and pedophilia, uh, the recruitment of children, not just children, but everyone they can get their hands on into the homosexual lifestyle uh, and, uh, and the desire of the movement to achieve power. Uh, not just tolerance. It's, that's a that's a canard. Yeah, it's all about power. And by the way, Scott, uh, when you when you find you're in a car, I know, on a cell phone. So when you find a good spot, stay there because you're kind of going in and out. But um, okay, uh, uh, I've known Scott for many years and uh, just admired your work from afar, Scott. And it is a it is a real privilege to give you this award that you deserve uh, because I've seen what's happened. Um, what what happens? I know you're going to agree with this, Scott. Is the people who are most principled in our movement end up some uh, often getting ostracized by others who are seeking a sort of a sort of capitulation or, or at least uh, they want to get some approval from the media or from uh, the politically correct set. And if you're taking a principled position on the homosexuality issue, you just have to reconcile the fact that you are going to give up. Uh, you, you will not be esteemed by liberals or by the media, which has become a part and parcel of the homosexual activist lobby. Now, I, I knew that at the very beginning of this ministry, and that's when I wrote the Pink Swastika, for example, I knew that that was really, it was so radical, so far out of, 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 the, uh, of the so-called mainstream, uh, that I was really sacrificing my future, you know, future goodwill, the ability to sort of, be, you know, become the major pastor of a big scene, you know, a big church or, uh, you know, head up a, a significant, you know, uh, entity with, with good secular relations. I knew that that could never happen, uh, but the truth is so powerful, so important that I did it. Yeah. And, you know, so I continued to be over the course of the years, really a missionary to the pro family movement. And, uh, and, and the Lord has blessed me in that. I'm fully satisfied, uh, with my life. And, uh, really been it's been a very interesting experience yeah now you're being one of the leaders on this issue yeah you're kind of breaking up a little scott so see if you can get to a good spot but folks okay. um let me tell you when you have more of scott's bio he's actually got an inner city ministry now in springfield uh, massachusetts so so much for being a a heartless uh bigot uh scott's out there and he's he's uh he's ministered to aids patients before he's he's ministering to, to people in the inner city with all the problems that that are there. And so, um, you know, the, as is the, usually the case with the left's propaganda, 
uh, the 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 myth is so far from the reality, and Scott embodies that. And uh, but Scott, leading up to our banquet, which again will have occurred by the time this uh, episode airs, uh, a radical organization known as the Gay Liberation Network uh, decided to try to intimidate our our keynote speaker, who is uh, the great uh, Dr. Erwin Lutzer, uh, from speaking. Uh, at the banquet. Now, I trust knowing Dr. Lutzer's character uh, and him being a principled Christian man that he will not have caved, and he and he did not show any signs of caving as we lead up to this uh, to the to the banquet. And what they were saying was they they were libeling you, they were slandering your name, and saying they wrote a letter to Moody Church, the Gay Liberation Network, which is a radical Marxist organization, and uh, based in Chicago, and. Let me just read you the first paragraph, Scott, and get your reaction. It said, Dear Pastor Lutzer, this is a letter dated September 27, 2011. We in Gay Liberation Network are aware that you are the scheduled main speaker at the October 15th fundraising dinner of Americans for Truth about homosexuality. Do you know that one Scott Lively is to be honored at that dinner by Peter LaBarbera? Are you aware of Lively's history as a vicious gay basher? Question mark. Um, oh, now, now that is just uh, uh, an incredible distortion, and and we had to write Doctor Lutzer and and get the record straight. But here they are calling you a vicious gay basher. Give us some background and and explain how it relates to the Uganda. They say you are in favor of legislation that kills gays in Uganda, which, which is preposterous. Give us the background on this, Scott, and, and, and clear up this distortion. Well, first of all. Um People need to understand that this is the primary weapon of the gay activist uh, movement, that uh, to, uh, to accuse, especially Christians, of hatred. And then, of course, the extension of that is hatred unto violence. And uh, they, they, uh, they use that with anyone who opposes them. And, uh, and then when someone doesn't back down, uh, then they sort of uh, will, will take statements out of context, whatever, string them together to try to make a case that you're a dangerous person. Uh, this started from the very beginning of my involvement in uh, opposing their agenda. Uh, they, they started out in, back in, in the early 1990s uh, equating anyone who opposed gay rights to the Nazis, the Ku Klux Klan. And, uh, and in my case, I have 20 years of opposing this agenda. And so and I've been a prolific writer and speaker on the issue, and I don't shrink from telling the truth. So they have 20 years' worth of statements to cherry-pick out of context and try to create the impression that I'm a dangerous person. Uh, but... Now we got uh, a minute. Uganda. We got a le- well, before. Let's let's wait before we get into Uganda. So we, since we only have a minute left, Scott, uh, explain back twenty years ago. That's when I first got to know you. You were working on an initiative in Oregon, I believe, which was to try to prevent the teaching, the promotion of homosexuality in schools. Is that where it all began? The the, the where you first learned about how vicious this so called gay lobby could be. Yes, I was the uh, just by the grace of God. I was the communications director. Uh, for the Oregon Citizens Alliance, which is the uh, actually the precursor to Pat Robertson's uh, organization, the um, what was it called? Uh, uh, Christian Coalition. Christian Coalition. Yes, yeah. he actually came out to Oregon to see how how we did it. But uh, we had a statewide uh, precinct organization uh, to influence the uh, political campaigns, and we ran ballot measures. 
to try to shape public policy. Okay, let's pick it up from there, Scott. Hold on, we're going to break here. Okay. We're talking to Scott Lively, who is the Americans for Truth, American Truth Teller recipient this year. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Americans for Truth Hour, folks. We're talking to Scott Lively, who is the president of Defend the Family International. He was the recipient at the Americans for Truth banquet that was, uh, would as this uh, airs, will have concluded at uh, Christian Liberty Academy in Arlington Heights. And we're so grateful to that wonderful, wonderful school and its pastor, Calvin Lindstrom, uh, for hosting us every year. But, uh, Scott, um, okay, you were talking about Oregon. Uh, what was this initiative you were working on? And tell us the worst of it. You've, you've told me some amazing stories that happened in that campaign. Well, you know, this was the boldest uh, uh, initiative campaign in American history on the homosexual issue. I mean, to, even to this day, uh, we actually attempted to stop the entire agenda cold by uh, amending the state constitution to declare homosexuality abnormal, unnatural, and pervert. And, of course, that's harsh language, but absolutely true. The last one was pervert. Abnormal, unnatural, and... unnatural, and perverse. Right. And it is all of those things. Yes. Uh, And by by doing that, we would have stopped the entire agenda completely. And, of course, they knew that, so they pulled all the stops, and uh, really it became an international uh, issue. We had news crews from all over the world, activists from all over the U.S. came to Oregon. It was really a trial by fire. I didn't know much about the homosexual issue at that point. I had joined the organization during the prior election cycle when the focus was on abortion. I started out as a, as a, as a pro-life activist when someone showed me pictures of aborted babies and then, you know, changed my whole life. Well, I became the communications director of this organization, and then at the end of that that election cycle, uh, Lon Maybon, the chairman, uh, came to me and he said, we're going to switch and deal with the homosexual issue. I need somebody to stand with me. This is going to get rough. Or would, you, would you be willing to do it? And naively, I said, sure. Right. <laughs> and, uh, Little did you know like what, lie, what lie ahead, right? It, I, I really didn't know very much about the issue at all. I just knew, I mean, as a Christian, I knew that the Bible was against it, etc. But this is how extreme it was, the the, the very first day, this is in April of 1991, the election is going to be in November of 92, so it's almost two years away, but the very day of filing the initiative language with the Secretary of State, step one in the process, before a single signature was collected, before we had a ballot title or anything had happened, we just, we filed it. And that day, the very day, the very afternoon, then-Governor Barbara Roberts herself, the top political figure in the state, held an emergency press conference to declare the Oregon Citizens Alliance as like the Nazis and the measure as paranoid. And then over the next three days, every major newspaper in the state editorialized against us as either the Nazis or the Ku Klux Klan or both. Every one. And that was just the first three days. Unbelievable. And, and, you know, most campaigns don't even get that extreme in the last week of the election. But, right. you know, if they're going to get that extreme, that's when it'll happen, when somebody's desperate or something. But this was at the beginning, with two years to go. Right. And uh, so you can imagine how bad it got over the course of time. So you were, uh, public, en- you were public enemy number one right from the get-go, and I yeah. imagine that it only got worse. That was a two-year campaign. Uh, tell the story of the, of the fake, uh, the fake uh, gay hate crime. Oh, oh this is the, the incredible, amazing story of Azalea Cooley, uh, a, a black 
uh, wheelchair-bound lesbian lived in, in northeast Portland who right uh, after, the, after the campaign had gotten started uh, had, a, had a cross burned in her front yard. And then a few weeks later, another cross burned in her front yard, and then another, and then another. Uh, 21 cross burnings in her property over the course of you know, several months, uh, or I mean over a year. And uh, the police could never catch the person that did it. And, uh, and it, she became the poster girl of the entire opposition campaign, the no-on-hate campaign, they called it. And, uh, and then at the very end, just about three or four days before the election, uh, the, a couple of rogue cops up a stakeout outside of her house. And what do you know, in the middle of the night, out comes Azalea Cooley walking, not in her wheelchair, walking out her front door <laughs> with a can of gasoline and a wooden cross. <laughs> and, of course... They arrested her and uh, held a press conference the next morning. You would you would think that this would be some sort of media circus, right? <laughs> but you know it there it was com- it was completely downplayed. They had to cover it because it was just too big not to cover. But they covered it a little bit in Portland, nowhere else in the rest of the state, and just and but but proceeded as if it had never happened. <laughs> and then three days later, the last event of the of the opposition's campaign against us was a massive march against hate from northeast Portland, where Azalea Cooley lived, to downtown Portland, with thousands and thousands and thousands of people marching against hate. And who was leading the parade? Azalea Cooley in her wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, could, you couldn't make this stuff up, Scott. Is, you know, if, you tr- if you wrote a script like this and sent it to Hollywood, they say, no, it's not believable. Right? <laughs> And, and, can you imagine if a conservative if a conservative uh, did stage some fake hate crimes against the left? I think that, I think there would be a media circus there for that one. Oh, uh, and you know that the media never connected the dots that the that this woman's girlfriend uh, roommate uh, was in the sheriff's department, or that uh, Tom Potter, uh, was, who was the police chief of Portland at the time. Uh, was one of the spokespeople for the No on Nine campaign. Oh, you mean you mean there were people within the department, uh, the, the the police department, yeah. that knew this was going on. They knew yeah, she was staging these. Catch anybody? Oh, they, bro. They had takeouts and everything, but they never caught anybody. And so. why? Because Tom Potter uh, was the police chief. His his daughter was an open lesbian on the police force. He was one of the spokespeople against us. Yeah. And then the and then the, the and then Azalea's roommate is in the sheriff's department. They just had spiked the whole thing. So, and then, so what happens? Tom Potter gets elected mayor, and Azalea Cooley gets off with virtually nothing by claiming mental illness. And 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 uh, that's the you know that's the story. And they 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 win, of of course. Now it was it was still a it was a narrow win. It was a narrow win, right, Scott? Yeah, it was fifty five forty five, which was an astonishing result because every single. Uh, a significant entity in Oregon had lined up against us. I mean, the American Library Association, the, you know, the every every they had they had at the, at the just before the election, they had a list of the organ not the individuals but the organizations who had lined up against us. It filled you know full size newspaper, you know, not the tabloid size, the big size in in like eight type. It filled both pages. Of oh, okay, let's repeat that. Small type on a newspaper ad, all the people opposed to you, every, every group in the whole state was against you, and you still got 40. How much were you outspent monetarily? Well, it was, it was, 
probably 50 to one. I mean, we yeah. had, we had, almost, you know, the only people that stood with us were the Christians yeah. and ev- not, and that, and the Catholics didn't even stand with the bishop, the bishop who later went to San, he transferred to San Francisco. Uh, he actually came out against us also at the very last minute. But now let um, me make a, let's, let's learn from this. And, and Scott, we have got to teach our history to our, to, I mean, you, you have more history. You've forgotten more history about this struggle than most people will ever learn. But let's, t- let's, let's learn some points here. Number one, I've always said that nobody hates like the left and nobody hates within the left, like the homosexual activists within the left, but also nobody lies like the left, Scott. That was the lie then. Um, and, uh, and it worked cause you can fool a lot of the people a lot of the time, right? When, when you right. control the, when you have the media power. But now let's jump ahead. We got three minutes here. The lie that they're now spreading a, a new, a different homosexual group, but it's the same, the same movement. They're calling you a quote, vicious gay basher. And they're also incriminating me because they're saying, um, uh, here, let me read another paragraph from this letter to, to, to uh, pastor Lutzer at Moody. He said, um, all the, the Gay Liberation Network says, although our differences with you are sharp and distinct due to your opposition to marriage equality, which is the code word for same-sex so-called marriage, we take you at your word when you say you oppose violence against gays. We, we therefore assume that you would not want to be associated with those like Lively and LaBarbera who either support violence outright or honor those who do. So they're slandering both of us with this terrible lie. Scott, you have always condemned violence against homosexuals. Yeah, of course, of course. As have I. This is a, you know, there are some people in the world who hate homosexuals and would do violence to them. But I don't don't know a single person that within the Christian community that that's true of. That's certainly not true of me. At the time that that the Measure 9 campaign was going on, and I was being, uh, being bashed every single day, Every day, this is not without exception, uh, because I was the spokesman for that campaign uh, as a hate monger, as a Nazi, as KKK. I had a, a former homosexual man living with my family in my home. He had he had uh, he had late stage AIDS. I had four sons in my household, and this man had come to my church, and he didn't have any place to go. He had been the, the, the apartment manager of his apartment complex, and his boyfriend had died of AIDS. Uh, he had, he had re- renounced homosexuality, was born again, and had changed his life. And he started playing Christian music in his apartment complex. So all the rest of the, it was all gays in the, in the complex. So they all got together, and they forced him out. And, and I, he came to me. We ended up running into each other outside of my church, and he told me that story, and I, without even knowing, hearing it coming out of my mouth, I was, it was, I was surprised that I even said it. I said, would you come and live with us? And, uh, and, and I was still, I was afraid of AIDS at that point. I didn't believe the public health services, but I really strongly felt that the Lord wanted me to do that. And so we took care of Sonny for the last year of his life in our home. And the gay leaders knew that. At the same time they were attacking me as this vicious hate monger, they knew that I had Sonny in my home risking my life to, to nurse him as he died from this terrible disease that he got because he lived in the gay lifestyle. Wow. So that's the, that's the, the reality of things. And no matter and, how uh, many times you denounce uh, hatred, genuine hatred and, and, and uh, violence towards homosexuals or anyone else, it doesn't matter because the narrative well, is, is Scott Lively is, is a gay basher. manipulation, Peter. This is psychological manipulation. They know... 
that the, the vast majority of people who are opposed to their agenda do not hate them. They know that. This is psychological manipulation because it's the last thing in the world that a Christian can tolerate is to be, be accused of being a hater instead of a lover because Christ has told us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Absolutely. And so and someone who has a, a weak ability to sort of articulate... Well, hold on, Scott. Let me, let me cut you out. Let me cut you off there because we're running out of time. We'll be right back with Scott Lively. Are you sick and tired of homosexuality and gay marriage being celebrated by the liberal media and popular culture? Do you worry about the radical gay agenda being pushed on young children in schools? Are you worried that the gay movement will destroy America's religious freedoms? And are you offended that Christians are called bigots and homophobes just because they agree with God that homosexual behavior is wrong? Americans for Truth About Homosexuality is a single-issue group devoted to exposing and fighting the gay agenda. They are not about hate, but love for God's truth. They are Christians, so instead of celebrating homosexuality, they lift up the many ex-gays who have left it behind and now lead godly lives through Christ. But Americans for Truth needs your help. The gay lobby has lots of money, power, and media support, but it lacks truth. Please help keep this show on the air and educate America about the dangerous goals of this anti-Christian movement. Make your gift online today at AmericansForTruth.com. That's AmericansForTruth.com. Welcome back, folks. We're talking to Scott Lively, who is the recipient of the of the AFTA American Truth Teller Award for 2011. And uh, it's our privilege to honor this man who has devoted his life to uh, educating people about the aggressive uh, and very intolerant homosexual agenda. Uh, Scott, now, uh, okay, so they, you know, they've they've got this narrative, which is you're a vicious gay basher. Tell us about. Let's jump ahead to Uganda. Uh, let t- explain what you did for the people of Uganda and how it, it has been turned around to say that Scott Lively is the is the force behind the quote kill the gays bill. Explain yeah. that. Okay. Well. Uh I was uh, was asked back in, I think it was 2002, to be the keynote speaker at Uganda's first national pro-family conference. It was sponsored by the Minister of Ethics and Integrity. And I went there and I did that. I fell in love with the Ugandan people. It's a nation that's been it's in revival. Uh, there's been a Christian revival going on there for, for a number of years. It's far from perfect, but it's a very impressive Christian culture there. And uh, so my wife and I went, went back the second year and the next year and, and helped uh, again. And then in 2009, uh, the, the, the gay movement had really grown in Uganda, even though homosexuality is illegal there. Uh, is that, is that partially because of Soros and left, left-wing organizations yeah, funding yeah. it? But, but really what they were most unhappy with is that with uh, wealthy uh, homosexuals from the United States and Europe going into Uganda and, and, uh, and getting the boys off the street and bribing them with, you know, bicycles and whatever and turning them into prostitutes and houseboys. And this was, this was so outraging the people of the, of the country that it was like, we can't take this anymore. We've got to stop this. Right. So they were going to come out with some kind of a law and uh, they were going to hold a seminar to sort of educate the public officials about what this movement is all about. So I went in March of 2009, and I gave a, a seminar. There were three days. There were a couple other people that were part of it. And I, and I, I taught directly from my textbook, uh, which is the last book I've written on this topic, Redeeming the Rainbow, it's, which is downloadable for free at defendfamily.com. That's defend, uh, that's, let me say that again. That's defendthefamily.com, 
reading, uh, what's the name of the book again, Scott? Redeeming the Rainbow. Okay, so you can go there and you can download a PDF, folks, and read this excellent work. Anyway, so I I gave the seminar, I gave my understanding of how this all works, how the gays achieve power, etc. The nature of homosexuality, causes, effects. Uh, And then I spoke at Ugandan Parliament as well. I spoke to members of Parliament in their National Assembly Hall, a great honor, and I advised them. I said, I know you're planning to write a a law. It wasn't written at that point. There was no draft even uh, floating around. It was just a proposed uh, bill. And, uh, and I suggested that instead of focusing on punishment, that they should focus on therapy and that they should have, they should be the first country in the world to have a state-sponsored rehabilitation system like the U.S. has for, for alcoholism. And, and I gave my own testimony of having been an alcoholic and, so, and how, what the diversion uh, program that I went through, gave, you know, I, I didn't go to jail. I went through diversion and, and, uh, and I never drank again. Actually, I was delivered by... Christ, but uh, be that as may, that's what I presented to them. Well, I came home from that conference a couple of months later. They came out with the bill. They completely ignored what I had suggested, and then they and they drafted a bill that was very harsh in its terms. Now, it's it seems especially harsh to Americans because we're not used to their their standards of of, uh, of jurisprudence there, but. Uh, they had the death penalty for a category called aggravated homosexuality, and that included pedophilia, sexual abuse of disabled people. Uh, but it was it was inartfully worded, so that it could have been construed uh, to uh, to even to uh, apply the te- death penalty to simple homosexuality. Yeah, but uh, now that now this was distorted by the left, wasn't it? I mean, did it yeah. is that was it intended, or and, and I I have not read this bill, so but was it intended yeah. to prosecute uh, rape and, and talk about the history of the country that that led them to even have a, a stronger sensitivity yeah. to this than most countries? So you have to understand that the African countries, especially East Africa, their legal system is based on British common law, the same as ours was at the very beginning, and and that they really haven't modified it all that much. And the law that they proposed was virtually identical to a law already on the books dealing with abuse of girls, right? This was basically to protect the boys. You mean, you mean like when, when, a, when an adult would rape a girl, that person would get the death penalty? Yeah, except the thing to reveal about African culture is that nobody ever gets the death penalty. Mm-hmm. It's just there on the books. You know, they, they, uh, it's a, it's, Africa's a very strange continent in terms of the application of the law. They have these extraordinarily strict standards and then incredibly lenient uh, application of them. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's there on the books is almost meaningless. Uh, and, you know, so, yes, there are occasional, there's a harsh punishment. But in any case, I oppose this. I don't, I don't support the death penalty even for pedophiles. I just don't think sex crimes rise to the level of capital punishment. Some people would disagree, but I don't support that. So I didn't endorse the bill. I came out against the bill. But nevertheless, the international media began attacking me as the mastermind behind this, even though I had advocated for a, a therapy-based policy. Uh, but they said that it was my rhetoric conference uh, that had sort of uh, created this client. Okay, well, so let me let me interject here. The, so so the, the narrative became Scott Lively was the Western mastermind for the Kill the Gays bill in Uganda. Which yep. itself is a distortion of what it was. Exactly. Even if I wouldn't have uh, uh, probably, I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I didn't read the bill. But um, so, so then, what now? What happens? 
Well, the uh, I got bashed by the New York Times, uh, National Public Radio, ABC, the Guardian uh, newspaper in London, the Canadian National Post, the global leftist media came out uh, uh, with with these attacks, and and uh, it didn't matter what I what I said. Uh, they just and it, the the idea was this was the, the other part of the narrative is that here are these innocent native people that were agitated because they're simple they're agitated into this homophobic fury that now threatens the lives of all gays in Uganda. In other words, in other words, they're injecting a little colonialist racism into the exactly, whole mix. Right? Exactly, exactly. It, it was and that's an extraordinarily racist, uh, uh, you know, interpretation of what happened. But tell us about uh, Uganda's the, history with the prince. Yeah, uh, yeah talk, talk about that a little yeah. bit. Well, this Uganda is the only country in the world that has a national holiday that commemorates uh, the um, the disapproval of homosexuality. That in the 1880s uh, or eight, uh, some in the late 1800s, King Mwanga uh, was a homosexual king. Well, King Mwanda was a pederast. He was a homosexual pedophile who, who targeted teen boys. And he would take them as his pages into his court, his royal court, and then he would engage in sodomy with them. And that was, and that was the law of the land. You had to submit to this if you were a young boy who was chosen by, by the king. Uh, but in the interim, the Catholics had come into uh, Uganda, and they had been uh, uh, you know, having Catholic schools. They were training these young men in Christian values. And a group of these young men uh, rebelled against the king and said, no, we are not going to submit to sodomy. So the king became enraged. He had a whole group of them torturously bound, marched 37 miles, and then at the end they were given the chance to recant. And when they refused to recant, they were thrown alive on a bonfire and burned to death. Wow. And uh, these 22 young men are now martyrs. They're, they're Catholic martyrs. Uh, that uh, are now uh, remembered every June third, and you got it. And it's the story of the of the, uh, the the homosexual excesses that this nation endured. So when 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 these gays are coming in from the U.S. and from Canada and messing with their kids, they are they are 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 striking a a nerve in the Ugandan people that goes very very deep. And so you know. The colonialism and all these these accusations, it's all nonsense. These are people that hate the idea of children being sodomized and are, are absolutely enraged when someone wants to come in here and say, this is going to be your new policy. Right. So now, Scott is trying to shove this down their throats. Now, Scott, the Gay Liberation Network, uh, in this letter to Pastor Lutzer, who was the banquet speaker at Americans for Truth, it says, here's a key paragraph, more recently, lively justified anti-gay violence when Uganda's leading gay advocate was murdered. Lively wrote, quote, it is, it is as if the militant ranks of Code Pink were transported back to 1890s America to agitate for sexual freedom. Our great-grandparents would not have countenanced this. There would have been violence as there now has been in Uganda, end quote. You are trying to assess a situation. They're saying you are justifying violence. Clarify that. We've got two minutes. Well, I'd rather let's go right to what happened there. David Cato uh, was a, a gay activist in Uganda, a very prominent one, and he was murdered. And, and as soon as he was murdered, the international media came out and once again said, this is the fault of the American evangelicals, me being the primary one. 
And they came out with this for, for like five days until the police actually caught the guy. It turns out that the person who beat David Cato to death with a hammer was not an, an African homophobe enraged by the passions of this uh, kill the gays bill. It was a male prostitute that Cato had bailed out of jail to take into his house to be a houseboy who killed him because he refused to pay up. And, and, and the, the international media who had, who had uh, put forward this implication that I was responsible for his death com- clammed up completely. They didn't publish a single additional word about it. There was no apology. There was no correction of information. There was no retraction of that implication. And that's the kind of stuff that I've lived with for 20 years from these people. Yes. Liars. Right back to right back to with the fake hate crime in Oregon. You know that when when the when the fraud is exposed, the the media is either not there at all or there's a tiny little correction. We see it all the time, Scott. It, it, you know, but you just have to come to expect it now, right? Thirty seconds. Well, you know, I stand on the truth of Jesus Christ. The Bible is my guide. I will not shrink from telling the truth of everything written in its pages. Come what may, they can assassinate me. They can throw me alive on a burning fire. I am not going to recant what my Lord has guided me to tell the truth about. That's right. we got one more segment with Scott Lively coming up. Scott is the founder and president of Defend the Family International. The website is DefendTheFamily.com. That's DefendTheFamily.com. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, folks, to our interview with Scott Lively. And uh, Scott is the founder of Defend the Family International. He's He's got a ministry in Springfield, Massachusetts. He's done work on amazing work on the homosexual issue for 20 years. And um, before I go on, I, uh, Scott, I want to say um, people can support Scott's organization, Defend the Family International. That's DefendTheFamily.com. We just had our banquet at Illinois Family. I'm sorry, at here at Americans for Truth. That's where I used to work, Illinois Family. So uh, please go to Americans for Truth's website and make a donation. Many people uh, could not attend the banquet. Uh, the website is americansfortruth.com and, and make a gift. Okay, Scott, now there was another murder of another homosexual. I'm sure you caught blame for that one too, right? Are you talking about the Sacramento? No, I thought there was a second, uh, a second yeah, murder a in second Uganda. In, in Uganda, actually the one that preceded the other, uh, oh. there, was a, there was a man... That uh, that had was found with his uh, genitals cut off. Uh, I think he'd been beheaded as well. And the media, once again, they came out and like immediately began claiming this is a hate crime. Uh, and uh, that one was resolved much uh, more quickly. Uh, the uh, it turned out that he was killed by uh, witch doctors in a some kind of bizarre ritual. And he was actually there were several people that were killed, including a one year old boy. And they cut off their heads and their genitals as part of some ritual. It was very bizarre. So, so uh, Scott, when 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 this group, the Gay Liberation Network, says that you lively justified anti-gay violence, it says you lively's history as a quote vicious gay basher. This is slander. You could actually probably sue for this, correct? Well, you know, I I, I the, the letter's pretty carefully worded. It might have been written by an attorney, uh, but I think that it does cross the line. Uh, defamation is awfully hard. Sure. Uh, to, to sue uh, for, uh, but uh, I, I may yet do it anyway. Yes, let me read you that quote again. We therefore assume, this is the letter to Dr. Lutzer, we therefore assume that you would not, this is go, uh, addressing the pastor Lutzer, uh, we assume that you would not want to be associated with those like Lively and LaBarbera who either support violence outright or honor those who do. 
and folks, I'll speak for myself first and then let Scott speak. I have ever since the beginning of this uh, working on this issue, and I've been at it for 20 years, maybe a little less than Scott. We have always abhorred and condemned uh, violence and genuine hatred against homosexuals. And I'm with you, Scott. If I weren't a believer, maybe uh, I would move into the area of hate. Um, I think it's easier to hate homosexuals if you don't have a biblical standard, if you don't have the grace of God with you, knowing that you and me are also sinners, but we don't take our sin and and march proudly about it in, in the streets of major cities. Well, it's, it would also be very easy, having been the victim of all of these terrible, dirty tricks, uh, to be filled with hatred by, from the people who did this. But, you know, I forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, you know, and, and frankly, you know, even with this lawsuit thing, I, I haven't responded to most anything that they've done. If you go online and you Google the name Scott Lively, you'll find dozens and dozens of attacks of all kinds. I've been accused of just about everything you can think of. Yeah. And I haven't, re- I haven't, you know, done any major significant response. I'm not trying to protect my name. You know, the, the Lord is my covering. And, and, and he said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. I don't, I don't care. I don't worry about it. My reputation doesn't really mean anything to me. The only person that I care about is my Lord. I will serve him. And I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And as far as all the rest of them go, I don't care. All right. It doesn't matter to me. But the truth remains that you have yeah. always condemned violence and hatred against homosexuals. Yes, yes. Well, I'll tell you another little story that goes to this. This is the thing that got me put on the Southern Poverty Law Center's uh, uh, hate group list. Uh, and as is actually, as is Americans for Truth. We're both on there. Right. right. They 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 uh, they hated me for the pink swastika, but they didn't put me on the list until this happened in Sacramento. Uh, I work very closely with the Russian community, and uh, there's about 100,000 Russians in Sacramento. And I had just been over in uh, doing a tour of 50 uh, cities in the former Soviet Union. And I'd come back to the U.S. for a conference in Sacramento, uh, and I, I hooked back up with some of the leaders there. And the, the, it, was, it was very exciting. It looked like the pro-family movement was really going to get ramped back up and, and re, re-engage because the Russians were holding these rallies against gay marriage, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, it was, it was wonderful. Uh, but then an incident happened in a park in Sacramento. There was, the, there was a, a, a Russian couple having a picnic in the park with their kids. And, uh, and then there were this, uh, a group of homosexuals, a Fijian guy, who was dirty dancing with somebody else and pulling his pants down and stuff like that. And he wouldn't stop. And the Russian guy... Uh, who shouldn't have gone over in the first place, but he did. He went over, told him to stop, and he wouldn't stop, and he punched him one time. And the guy fell down, the Fijian guy, who was very drunk, fell down, hit his head on a rock, and then died in the hospital that night. Uh, a terrible, terrible tragedy that the gay activist and the Sacramento Bee immediately declared to be a murder, an intentional murder of... Uh, uh, driven by homophobia, and they and they blamed the entire Russian community for having created a climate of hate and fear that led to this kind of hate crime. Now, you know, how do you deal with a situation like that? You don't want to be seeming to defending a person's action who's done it. Uh, he should never have done this. It was a terrible thing. He should never have gone over and punched him. But there's a big difference between punching somebody in anger and intending to murder them. And so I responded in the, to the Sacramento Bee with a letter uh, saying that, and, and plus, 
this was none of the facts had even been established. Right. They didn't know who this guy was. They didn't know who the, whether the guy was even gay, uh, etc. And it turns out the actual the man eventually was vindicated uh, in court, uh, and very uh, a long time later. But nevertheless, I wrote a letter to the paper saying it's just it's it's racism, pure and simple, to be blaming the entire Russian community for an incident that clearly wasn't an intentional. Uh, wasn't a murder in the first place. And then I then got accused of supporting the murder of homosexuals. Right. And you can find that to this day on the Southern Poverty Law Center's website. And, and these, these kinds of things where, where, a, where you, can't, you, can't be, you can't make a reasonable statement uh, on, that, that, that can be taken and misconstrued by somebody because they will misrepresent everything that you say the maximum advantage, and and that's what happened over and over. I don't, you know, I will. I say it anyway. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play politically correct games. I'm not gonna stop telling the truth or try to skew things in such a way that well they can't get a handle on it. You know, I stand on the on the truth, come what may. Yes, and and, and our and our enemies. Another example. Well, hold on. We only got a minute and 40 left, Scott, so we'll have to say that till next time, folks. We're doing three interviews with Scott Lively. Uh, but, Scott, the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Gay Liberation Network, this entire homosexual activist lobby, they are all about demonizing Christians like us, especially Christians. There's, there's always a special hatred for the Christians. And so, like you said, Scott, anything it takes. It's a utilitarian right. and movement. The, and the question is why. Why do they do this? Because we stand in the way of their pursuit of the complete control of society. This isn't about tolerance. It's not about acceptance. It isn't even about celebrating all things gay. This is about absolute control. And every place that they got it, and, and they do have it in, in, in some places, they use it and they punish anyone who disagrees with them, and then they begin controlling every person within, the, within their grip. That's what's going on in California with this new bill to promote homosexuality to all of the uh, all of the kids. That was what was happening in that co- in that high school classroom down in Texas, where this gay teacher got the ninth grader suspended from school for gym- simply expressing his opinion that homosexuality is wrong. Yes, it's and, a it's a movement about control. It's intolerant, and it has risen to incredible heights from uh, a time just it's it's been six decades basically the modern homosexual movement, Scott, and yet here we are. Well, Scott, thanks so much for for joining us, and we look forward to next week. And uh, God bless your work. At at, at, you can find Scott at Defend Family. Uh, what's DefendTheFamily.com, right, Scott? God bless you, Peter. De- defend the family, uh, DefendTheFamily.com. We'll be back with Scott Lavi next week. And our website, of course, is AmericansForTruth.org. Thanks, folks. This was the Americans for Truth Hour with your host, Peter LaBarbera. Tune in Saturdays at 11 p.m. to hear compelling interviews with everyday heroes on the front lines of the culture war. People who put faith and truth above the lies of political correctness. Stay informed and engaged on the issues of life, marriage, and the God-ordained family. Please stand with them as they work to make America, in the words of President Ronald Reagan, a shining city on the hill. And once again, one nation under God. The Americans for Truth Hour, Saturdays at 11 p.m. on AM 1160.